Well, good morning, church. In, in my life, I have been an ice cream scooper, a pizza maker, a cashier. I've worked in a bookstore, a clothing store. I've worked in office buildings as a receptionist, an assistant, and an ad exec. Today, today, I'm a pastor, and these are just the jobs that I've been paid for. What, what about you? Will you uh, just take a minute? Uh, turn to the person beside you and tell them what has work looked like in your life. Maybe tell them that one job that you have now or your first job or your worst job or your weirdest job. Tell somebody beside you now. You know, it's, it really is amazing how much time we spend working, right? We spend most of our waking hours working. Uh, did you know that the average person spends 90,000 hours at work in their lifetime? That is about 35% of your life. And if you add that all together, that is about 10 years, 10 years. Work is where we spend most of our waking hours. And, and our life is, is truly happening there. It's, it's that place where we can make, you know, the, the greatest of friends. You know, we can pull awesome pranks and have tons of laughter. In contrast, it can be the place where we can face really tough relational challenges with others. You know, endure heartache and opposition with people. We can be forced to work alongside people who, who make us bananas. At work, we can achieve and win awards. We can also lose and uh, take some pretty hard hits. Our jobs can take us all over the world. Our job can take us commuting the same road for 20 years. Our job can have us never leaving the house. You know, we can wear a uniform, a suit, sweatpants. We can use a chalkboard, a hammer a laptop, we can use our minds, we can use our mouths, we can use our hands to work. But, but one thing is certainly for sure, one thing that everybody has in common is that we are overwhelmed by email. Am I right? Yes. Do you know that the average person is getting about 121 emails a day and only sending about 40? And, and this is actually leading to about 51% of employees who are under the age of 40 wanting to quit their jobs because of their email and how much messaging that they get. Because work, work can wear on us, setting that alarm, another meeting, that next patient, another client, packing another lunch, day after day after day, we can, we can feel the grind. You know, songs have been written about it, like, like the Beatles, Hard Day's Night, or, or Rihanna, Work. You know, we have memes that have been created. We have expressions like Mondays, am I right? Or TGIF, or rolling into the weekend, like, because for most people, work is this necessary thing. It's not necessarily uh, a chosen thing. And if we, if we didn't have to do it, we, we probably wouldn't. We don't always get to make a living doing that very thing that we love. You know, but we, we have to work. There are bills to pay. And we can look forward to, to retirement and, and that freedom, 
work is often something we want to escape from. You know, as Christians, um, some believe that, that our work is a result of the, the fall. It's because of Adam and Eve's disobedience that we were cursed to work. Work can leave us frustrated, undervalued, underappreciated. Uh, work can leave us exhausted, overworked, overextended. You know, we can't wait to leave our jobs at the end of the day or that shift or, or that class and, and get back to our, our real life. And Ken Shigematsu in his book, God in My Everything, uh, talks about a piece of art called uh, The Angelus by Jean-Francois Millet. And uh, the painting, it shows two peasants uh, and it's during the work on their fields. And I just, I just want to take a minute, actually, if we could just look at this piece of art and, and think about what we see as we look at that. You know, it's the end of the day. The, the sun is setting. Their heads are bowed. It appears that they're praying. On the horizon, behind them is a church steeple. And the, the painting's kind of dark. It's kind of hard to see. And, and I think that that's part of the artist's message. I think that it invites us to look carefully. You know, where, where the light is. What is the, the sun rays hitting? It, you know, they're not falling on that steeple. They're not falling on that couple as they stand praying. The light in that painting is, is on the field. It's on the wheelbarrow, it's on the basket at their feet, it's on the pitchfork. You know, and, and the light in this picture, could it be that the artist is focusing in on the work? You know, a message of God's presence, not only in our church life or in our prayer life, but also in our everyday working life as well. You know, however it is that we work, that all of our work is done before God. And, and this painting has a significant message to us. This, there isn't this going to church and this going to work. We don't have uh, a ministry life, uh, a work life. There aren't buckets for the sacred parts of our life and those secular parts of our life. God doesn't have categories like this. His presence is with us all the time, seven days a week. We can encounter God in our work. And we have this opportunity to awaken to the, the very presence of God for, for every job that we do. You know, after all, work is, is an important thing. It is something that God does. We see God himself working right at the very beginning in the creation story, right? He, he, God puts in a work week. And he's creative, and he's productive, and he's arranging, and he's making. God gets his hands dirty when he creates human beings. He made Adam from the, from the earth. God, the gardener, who's planting and, and cultivating. God, the architect, who's designing and ordering all of creation. God works. And we see him at work also when we look at Jesus' life. And Jesus followed his earthly father, Joseph, into carpentry, into the traits. Jesus, sketching and drafting and building 
and, and purchasing materials and negotiating good prices and doing construction. And then later, Jesus works shifts. He becomes a leader and he teaches and he mentors and he builds into the life of others. And Jesus tells us in John 5, he says his father in heaven is always working and he also is always working. Like the Holy Spirit, the Spirit constantly at work in us, guiding us, instructing us, convicting us. Scripture is just filled with examples of our working God who's saving and rescuing, creating and, and blessing and providing and judging and healing. You know, God is continuously engaged in work. And by God's activity in work, he shows us that it's good. It's meaningful. It's valuable. The world benefits from God's work. And as God made us in his image, we work too. You know, God gives the gift of, of productive work to us right at the beginning of the Bible. In the story of creation, God invites Adam and Eve to work the land to take care of it. And he released them to that task before Adam and Eve ate the fruit that they shouldn't have eaten. Work isn't something that happened as a result of the fall. God gave us work before. And, and if at end times, and, you know, humanity is going to be restored to the way that it was before sin entered the world, guess what we're going to be doing for all eternity with God? That's right, work. We are like God. Work is something that we're wired to do. We're, we're like God. We're to be helpful and useful. Not that God needs us at all for his work, but by grace, right? He invites us to, to work with him, work that's always good, because everything that, that God does is good, worthwhile, beneficial, meaningful. And God didn't create that garden and, and give it to Adam and Eve to simply hang out in. He gave them assignment. He said, take care of it, tend to it, cause it to flourish. And it was an assignment that they were working on together with God. They were co-laborers with him, co-creating with him, right? God created that garden and they were tending to that garden. It's kind of like this property here, right? God has blessed Summit with this beautiful property, the fields and the trees and the gardens, but it's not only God's work that we're enjoying. This is a, a joint effort. Just think of how things would look if the, the grass wasn't cut or the gardens weren't weeded or tended to or if those fields weren't planted. Everything would be overgrown and, and full of weeds and it would not look the way that it does. The, the work on our property here at Summit is a partnership of activity, both God's work as he created it and is growing it and our grounds and operations team who manage it. And, and care for it. The work that God invites us to, to do is to work with him, work with him for something good. Whether we teach in a classroom or swing a hammer or, or take x-rays, we can be instruments for God wherever we are, carrying out his assignments and continuing his work. We see this when Jesus commissions the disciples in Matthew 28. Jesus tells them that God had authorized and, and commanded him to commission them for this, 
for this work. And he tells them to go out everywhere and to train in his way of life, to baptize and to instruct. And, and he promises to be with them day after day after day, right up until the end of age. Okay, this, is, this is the Great Commission. And in it, Jesus promises to partner and to persevere with his people for his purpose. And, and this is the way that God wants to work. God wants to, to partner and, and persevere with his people for his purpose on this earth. And it's easy to, to see how, how, how that could go wrong when we exclude him from work. And it, it's not just about gardens getting a little unruly, right? Without, without God guiding what we do and how we do it, things can get a lot sideways. You know, instead of God's plans, we can, we can set our own purposes, our own agenda. We, we create goals and we create vision boards based on our thinking, our best plans for our life. And those, those messages from, from culture can, can inadvertently sneak in. And, and culture is ruthless when it comes to work, right? It, it screams accumulate and take and dominate and never enough. Hustle to get yours. Hustle to keep yours. And in, instead of working with God, we end up relying on ourselves. We turn inward and we serve ourselves and we look out for number one. And we stockpile money and position and, and comfort, even at the expense of other people. You know, following culture's ideas is to keep others down, to stay on top. And instead of faithfully keeping in step with God where he's positioned us, you know, we, we end up seeking the best experience in our work. You know, when the, when the, when the going gets tough where we are, you know, we, we escape, we look for better. Do you know that right now, the average time that we spend in a job today is about four years. Millennials are at about 2.75 years and Gen Zs are, are two years. And, and don't get me wrong, there's absolutely nothing wrong with, with changing jobs. But I'm suggesting that when we jump to that new thing because we want greater comfort or ease or enjoyment or benefit. When we allow our, our feelings or our appetite to lead us there, we're, we're likely just gonna continue to champion uh, restlessness and discontent in our work. You know, disconnect from God in our work really leaves us empty and weary and edgy. You know, a work life without God and, and his purpose and, and his persevering partnership with us in it will leave us dissatisfied and tired and, and restless. But when, when we awaken to God's presence in our work, well, he changes things. And God's presence in our work will change things. So how, how do we do that? How, how do we experience God in our work? Well, one thing that, that we can do is we can be obedient in the ordinary. I mean, the truth is that we can spend much of our lives doing ordinary work. 
wiping kids' faces, heading to an appointment, filling out paperwork, getting gas. So much of, of life can be in these small and, and mundane and common activities. And truthfully, I, I, I don't think most of us like ordinary. I believe that, that we're wired and I believe that we're influenced by culture for, for big and, and exciting and elaborate and, and notable. That stuff is way more attractive than ordinary. And that's why, that's why this is a challenge for us. We're invited to ordinary work. And our, our work like that, it matters to God. Because with God, everything we do Everything, even the, the seemingly menial tasks, they get transformed. Transformed into something great and powerful. And Psalm 104 shows us that this is true. You know, Psalm 104 is full of beautiful worship. And um, I'm not going to read it for us, but the, the psalmist talks about, you know, the splendor and the, the majesty of God. And, and describes the beauty of, of the heavens and the beauty of the earth and the great expanse and stature of, of mountains and valleys and how, starting at about verse 19, he says, um, he made the moon to mark the seasons and the sun knows where to go down. You bring darkness, it becomes night and all the beasts of the forest prowl. The lions roar for their prey and seek their food from God. And continuing on, verse 23, verse 24, the psalmist says, then people go out to their work, to their labor until evening. How many are your works, Lord? In wisdom, you made them all. Wait, so in the middle of all these wonders, the heights of the trees, those mountains and the wildlife and those lions roaring so loud everybody can hear about it and the moon is ushering on fall and spring and summer and winter. There is humankind, humankind who goes to work and puts in a full day. Well, that seems a little underwhelming, doesn't it? You know, there's, there's over... 20 verses, the, the psalmist is praising God's awesome work, and then he, he gets to people, and he praises God for our daily job. Our daily job. And that says something to me, that there is clearly something truly remarkable about our work that our ordinary daily jobs would make the list of all the glorious things of God, how it must be extraordinary. Do you, do you believe that about your work? That, that your work, whatever it is in this particular season that, that God has you doing, that, that it is classified in the manifold work of God. That what God is doing through you every day, through your hands and your mind and your gifts and your talent is, is wonderful and praiseworthy. So wonderful and praiseworthy that it's like a, a sunset or a thunderstorm or a roaring lion. I think we need to, to take this in, that where we are doing exactly what we are doing that at this time, and it was planned and, and purposed by God for you to carry out. 
that our work, our, our daily work, it is a marvelous thing. It is an awe-inspiring thing. We don't need big, extraordinary jobs or, or high-paid positions of leadership in politics or business. You know, we, we don't need this powerful job in the not-for-profit sector or this position in ministry in a church. We don't have to make a lot of money. We don't need a big title. God just needs you and me doing what he planned and purposed for us to do in this time. We're invited to take our ordinary, everyday life, our eating and our sleeping and our going to work and our walking around life, and give it to him. To be obedient exactly where we are, where God has positioned us, using our gifts and our talents and our personality, doing our little, tiny, ordinary things, things that, that God uses every day for his good. Like the custodian cleaning a classroom for tomorrow's young students who were coming in there, or the pharmacist who's filling a prescription for an infection that somebody is fighting. You know, it's whether we get paid for it or not. I mean, some of God's greatest work is through somebody's work in the world that they're doing for free. Like the pilot who serves food to hungry people downtown, or the, the nurse who sorts and, and boxes up food for the food pantry, or the tech specialist who faithfully plays music on Sundays at church, or the air traffic controller who coaches soccer for kids. And if you didn't catch it, all those examples that I gave you are, are here. In this room, these are people serving God at Summit. Where we are present in this day currently with what we have in front of us, the life that God has, has given us, we become obedient to those daily opportunities that he presents to us. And there, in there, we will experience him. And when we're off planning a life of extraordinary accomplishments for ourselves, we, we squeeze out his glory for ours. But when we live an ordinary life and do regular things, when we do this, glory is his. We do our part, God works his part. You know, and, and this can be hard because sometimes it's easy to see that the way that God is working through those very ordinary tasks that we're doing for good, like a doctor who attends a, a sick person or a snowplow operator clearing ice from the roads. But other times, staying obedient to our daily tasks can be harder. Because we can't see it, they seem meaningless, they seem dull, they seem routine. But the, the truth is, we don't have a clue at all about what God is doing through those tasks, through our work. You know, I, th I think of the story of Jesus feeding the thousands on the hillside that day and how he multiplied those two fish and those five loaves from that, that kid's lunch and what an extraordinary miracle that was. Well, behind that extraordinary miracle was a parent who got up early and went through the routine activity of packing their child's lunch. Packing a lunch doing this extremely common thing. And when we are obedient to our ordinary things, we have no clue what extraordinary miracle God has on the other side of it. And the, the extraordinary miracle part is God's work. But we set our hearts on ours, 
you know, showing up every day, doing that ordinary work, obediently carrying it out, living out our work in our ordinary life, where we love him and experience his love, whether we're eating or drinking or working. We do our life, our work with God. And when we are obedient in our ordinary, we can encounter God at work. You know, another thing that we can do to encounter God in our work is to, to work dependent in the daily. In our daily life, in our daily work life, we rely on Jesus. Paul said it in 1 Corinthians 15, 10. I worked harder than them all, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Not I, but the grace of God with me. Living in dependence on Christ is to, to invite the, the Holy Spirit to lead us, instruct us, inform us, guide us. And, and the more we spend time with God at work, the more we understand about God's character and we understand those things that he likes and those things that he doesn't like. And, and his, his spirit in us teaches us about the, the character and the heart of God. And, and we can lean into him as we work for his wisdom when we're making decisions for what goodness and integrity looks like in our workplace. You know, as the, the Holy Spirit transforms us to be more like Jesus, he shapes how we work. You know, the bottom line is, is no longer the bottom line for us. We're mindful of activities that, that oppress the poor, oppress the vulnerable. We don't take advantage of others. You know, our, our work becomes testimony. Everything that we're, that we're doing testifies of God's greatness. And because of his grace uh, at work in us, we're, we're no longer doing acts of of kindness or peace or grace, as much as our lives are becoming kindness and peace and grace. God has extraordinary possibility through his people at work, whether it's politics or business or education. You know, these, his people who, who are working in dependence on him uh, every day for how they operate. I just imagine the, the kingdom impact that is possible through their lives as they, they serve in their roles as they would be serving God in technology, in real estate, in medicine. All these beautiful things of God start to pour out into people's workplaces as God's people rely on him to do his work through them. And it, it can look like fairness in a tough negotiation or forgiveness when a colleague drops the ball. You know, in today's culture, where openly talking about our faith isn't allowed in most workspaces, that doesn't stop God, right? Because Christ in us and through us displays the kingdom of God. No workplace policy can, can govern what God is doing through us in our lives. Our, our very conduct and character witnesses Jesus. Now, I remember when God was transitioning me out of my previous job and into my role here at Summit, and people would come into my office and they would close the door and they would ask me to, to talk about Jesus, and there was something different about me, and why did I have this peace? Why did I have joy? 
Or my, my boss would, would say to me how much he appreciated in difficult business transactions how I conducted myself with respect and fairness and upright behavior. Nothing can silence Jesus in our work when we partner with him. His goodness is just going to pour out in every workplace through his people. So every day we can lay down our way of doing our jobs and invite God to take the lead in those meetings, in those service calls. There are opportunities, opportunities to, to show kindness or honor somebody else or act justly or, or display generosity. And when we're faced with a problem at work, we can instinctively turn to ourselves to try and solve something. But instead, we can prayerfully surrender our problem and ask for help. In the same way that we pray before we eat, we pray before we write an email. We pray before we submit the taxes. We, we pray before we frame a building. We can choose to depend on Jesus every day in our jobs. And when we're dependent in the daily, we can encounter God at work. I have one last one for you of where else we can encounter God at work. It is as we persevere, enduring in the everyday. Enduring in the everyday, we can encounter God in the workplace. And, and this is similar to being obedient in the ordinary, uh, but this is about being faithful in our obedience to those everyday things in our life. We choose to do the work again and get up and do it again and get up and go and do it again and again. You know, it's a regular habit of faithful work. And we, we see this in the Bible, Moses tending sheep for 40 years before God sit, set that bush on fire. Peter mending and casting nets and fishing. Paul making tents. There are stories of God's people who were present and faithful to every day that was in front of them, living in it and walking in it and being with God day after day and year after year. Well, what if, what if we did this? What if, what if instead of desiring that next thing, that new thing, that better thing, that bigger thing, what if we planted ourselves in the present? What if we demonstrated a, a firmness of heart position, a position of being faithful to a, a loving God and, and loving him and loving those people around us that he's given to us? What if instead of avoiding difficult people and, and, and jumping ship in a challenging work environment and escaping those hard circumstances, what if we endured? What, what would be possible if we stayed put? I'm not suggesting that we stick in something that's harmful for us. And, and if God is, is calling you to move, that's different. But if God hasn't released us, moved us, opened a door for something new, called us elsewhere, what would it mean in our lives to stay right where we are? Stay. You know, Paul says in 1 Corinthians, stand firm. Don't hold back. Throw yourself into the work that God has given you to do, whatever it might be. And, and be confident that nothing that you do for God, for him, will ever be a waste of time or effort. 
I I love this verse because it's this picture of like passion and energy and it's harnessed in this stability and strength. You know, the ability to give ourselves fully in these present opportunities today, today, today with this rock solid conviction that, that doesn't waver. It is a surrender to stay instead of distracting ourselves or moving ourselves somewhere else. You know, imagine the, the intimacy with God that can be, that can be gained, the, the personal growth and the transformation that, that he can do in us and, and what the impact might be of this in our workplace environments when we are steady and hold true and, and have an unwavering conviction. You know, the, the world is, is quick to give up. We see this all the time. The, the world says, move on try new, but we stay faithful and committed and steady to where God has us. Even when things are difficult, even when things are uncertain, we don't move. We trust him in all things and, and, and find hope by, by faith in Jesus who is doing his work and bringing about his eternal good day after day and maybe even year after year. You know, even though every day we face this, this shifting and this changing in culture and, and we meet people who are shifting and changing their minds all the time, Jesus doesn't change. So we don't move. We are steadied by his assurance that every day he is with us and he keeps us and he never leaves us. He does not forsake us. He is our staying power, our self-control, our peace in those shifting environments. In him, we can stay and continue in our day-to-day work, even in the most difficult and lonely and trying of circumstances because we're, we're doing it for God. Not our supervisor or our manager or our boss or some other benefit that we're getting from our job. No, we do it for him. We show up every day in it because God's sovereignty over all things. And we believe if we are there, he is promising his work for good. In faith we stay. And and this is where we will know him. True intimacy is found in the long game like a, like a marriage, right? Not, not much is gained in the, in the fast or the, the easy, but when we, we covenant our hearts with God and, and his purpose, by his strength, we can stand firm. And knowing that, that nothing is ever looked by him, nothing is gonna return empty or void with him. And by him helping us, we can stand against that temptation to run or avoid difficult work and instead commit to the work that he has given us this day into our hands. Enduring every day is a way that we can encounter God at work. You know, when we practice working with, with attention and awareness of God, you know, we're gonna claim the largest part of our waking time for him we will gain 90,000 hours of time with Jesus in the course of our lifetime. We will gain 
10 years of communion with the living God when we work with a, an awareness of his presence. And, and we can do that by practicing being obedient in the ordinary life, dependent in the daily and enduring every day. You know, when Jesus started his ministry, he announced it. He said, the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is here. I believe we say the very same thing. And when we, when we start our day, our work, as we walk into that office, our kitchen, our classroom, our lab, wherever, we say, the kingdom of God is here in this place at this time. The kingdom of God is here in the ordinary day of every work week. The kingdom of God is here, God with us. And when we make this declaration, we're reminding ourselves of this very truth. We establish his rule and his authority and his possibility in us and through us for all we do in those spaces. And when at work throughout the day, we operate then with this acknowledgement of the presence of Christ in our very midst. And we then awaken, right? The, the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is here. We awaken to his, his purpose then all around us. We're aware then of, of his life and his strength for us, how we say things, how we act in those spaces. Those will be a beautiful revelation of the very presence of God, manifesting God in our work every single day. Our lives become a testimony of Christ. And then with confidence, we, we choose to do this. We choose the steady day-to-day -day faithfulness to work with our hearts set on Jesus, faithfully getting up each new day, committing to walking it out and, and loving God in it and trusting his promise and his purpose will come to pass. And, and we keep practicing this, this working with the presence of God because truly the gravitational pull is gonna get is going to get us away from him. The, the busyness of everything that we're doing in our day, those day-to-day -day tasks, they can be overwhelming sometimes. But we can stop, we can slow, we can breathe, we can be present, we can repeat. The kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is here. God with me. You know, when we come back, to obeying his present voice to us, to, to receiving his present grace for us, his standing in his present faithfulness for us. And, and I'll tell you, working like this, working with God changes things. Where work will leave us undervalued and underappreciated, Work with God is, is love and value and favor. Where work can leave us overwhelmed, overworked, overextended. Work with God will fill us, fill us with joy and, and renew our energy. 
You know, work can feel like we can't wait to leave. But work with God will feel like a place to be, to be useful, to be co-creating with him for good. And where work will feel like we need to get back to our, our real life, will work with God will be an experience of our real life, full of meaning and hope and good. So church, may we encounter the living God in our work. Amen? Let's pray together.